Greetings, friends. Happy October, and welcome back to the Singing Scientist podcast. Last week, we had the chance to sit down with the Critellis of the Relationship podcast to discuss that most difficult of subjects, religion and sexuality. Now, our main focus last week was uh, the uses and abuses of the Bible, specifically those six or so clobber passages that have been used to beat up gay people, to convince churchgoers that uh, gay people are sinners and in the wrong and that gay love is not real love. Now, even if you're not religious, this is a topic that influences all of us because society and religion are so intertwined, and most of us grew up being taught something about religion, so it's really important to address these issues. Now, even though we began a discussion last week, we weren't able to finish and get through all of it. So that's a great thing, actually, because that means we were able to sit down again this week and finish our discussion. So what we did was we, uh, we finished talking about the Bible passages, and then we discussed a little bit about how religion has made uh, relationships very difficult for gay people, whether it's through shame or confusion or a feeling of not being deserving of love. Um, That is something that a lot of us have dealt with, especially early in our lives and maybe to this day. So I was very very glad to get a chance to finish this discussion with these guys. Um, I told you a little bit about them last week, but in case you need a refresher, they are the Critellis, Tony and Marco, a wonderful married couple, and they have this podcast called Relationship, which is a podcast about uh, traditional values and gay relationships and everything in between. And um, what I really like about them is that they serve such a great purpose for our community in really celebrating and making visible gay relationships. We have so often had to define our own way, find our own path because of lack of role models as gay people and LGBT folks. So I'm just glad that they are serving our community and serving such a great purpose in this world. So look them up. It's relationship and it Instead of uh, an I at the end, there's an exclamation point. So it's like, relationship, look them up. Um, They're on iTunes, Stitcher, everywhere else. Um, They are at Pod Relationship on Instagram and Facebook. And I'm sure that you'll be thrilled to hear their full episode. This is just one segment of their episode, but they also talk about listener situations, questions from some of their listeners, gay news. They have interviews with with cool people in our community and so forth. So please check them out. Um, And I think that's all I want to say. Let's listen to the end of our discussion on the Bible and homosexuality. Here it is. So we are joined once again with the singing scientist himself, (laughs) Chase Nelson. Thank you so much for coming back. Thank you so much for having me back. I'm glad I didn't uh, scare you away the first time. No, never. (laughs) It's going to take a lot more than some Bible talk to scare us. Okay. (laughs) Tough tough skin. I may have brought my mace. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Um, So if you joined us on the first episode, we kind of went through, what was it, the first four? The first four of six bullets. Of six bullets. um, As we literally dissected the Bible and all of the gay uh, condemnations that Right. Uh, make us queer people feel bad about ourselves. Um, so <laughs> we are going to uh, continue that conversation. And then later we're going to talk a little bit more about how all of this has affected gay relationships and how oh. it's made it really, really challenging for us to uh be fully us in gay relationships because uh, religion itself has kind of made us feel bad about ourselves. Right. Like that too. So Tony, Pick us up where we left off, please. Sure. So the next, um, the next verse that we're going to read is First uh, Corinthians six nine through eleven. Do you not know what wrongdoers will not inherit? Uh, sorry, that wrongdoers will not inherit the kingdom of God. Do not be deceived. Fornicators, idolaters, adulterers, male prostitutes, sodomites, thieves, the greedy, drunkards, revilers, robbers. None of these will inherit the kingdom of God. And this is what some of you used to be. But you were washed, you were sanctified, you were justified in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ and in the spirit of our God. 
So what I want to say about this is exactly what we were saying about these in general um, last week, which is look at the laundry list of people that are placed in this passage. Mm-hmm. Um, remember, as we said, that the term homosexual did not exist uh, at the time that this was written. And you'll notice that the, the particular translation that I selected does not include um, that term. Um, and that it's also important to note that sodomites, if you remember our uh, critique of the story of Sodom and Gomorrah, does not actually reference just the fact that you are a person having sex with, uh, a male having sex with another male. Like there is so much more to the connotations to this. Um, And again, it is not about loving relationships. It's not about loving someone of the same sex. It's about the injustices and the idolatry and the lust, which are really key points throughout the entire Bible. Right. Yeah, I mean, sort of going, just recapping briefly some of the fundamentals we laid down last time. Sure, when the Bible uh, speaks of homosexual behaviors, it is negative, but it's always in the context of lust and exploitation mm-hmm. and, and, and rape and so on. And so when we're indoctrinated as, as children to believe that this is what, this is talking about gay people. Right. It's so hard to get rid of that mm-hmm. and um, that assumption. And I actually, in the interim, since the last episode, I was thinking of one example of this. Um, I was taught two things. One, that carbs made you fat. <laughs> so so I, I'm getting really this into like... This is the gospel yes. according, to, <laughs> according to James. That's right. No, I've been, I've been reading a lot of books about like dieting and nutrition and stuff lately and weightlifting. And um, there were two assumptions I had. One was that carbs become fat more easily than dietary fats, which is turns out not to be mm-hmm. true. And the other thing was that eating before bed, meal timing made a difference in how much fat was stored. Both of them have been completely refuted by science, but you know, someone, someone in my childhood taught me these things. Mm-hmm. And so I thought that if you ate before bed, you'd get fat, mm-hmm. you know, I mean, any simple things like this, very simple things like this, um, we are taught and we don't question. Mm-hmm. And so when we're taught that this verse says homosexuals are will not inherit inherit the kingdom of God. You know, that can be a hard thing to shake. Even as a gay person, it's hard to come out. So it can be a hard thing for for heterosexuals also to, to shake these assumptions. And so we can have a little grace about that. But anyway, um, regarding this verse, there are two Greek words used here, arsenokites and malachi. And so one of them means like male, it's like a combination of male bed, and the other word means soft. And so, as you said, you chose a translation that does not translate this as homosexual. I have a list here um, of various translations throughout the years, like the 1961 uh, New England Bible says guilty of homosexual perversion, so they actually do use that word. Uh, in 63, it was just combined into sexual perverts. Mm-hmm. Then in 66, we had catamites and sodomites. Later on, we had male prostitutes, sexual pervert. You know, so sometimes homosexual is there, sometimes it's not. It all depends on when, the cultural context in which the translation was made, and so on. And so this word is very, I don't think it's anywhere else in the New, in the New Testament except these two which one? Um, Arsenokites. So it appears just a couple of times, but it's actually, it's yes, it's very rare. Very rare. And even that the other times when it's used, um, it's sort of a, um, it's sort of commentary on um, um, uh, pederasty. Mm-hmm. Um, so uh, that whole idea of the older male taking on the younger male, and in some contexts it is as a sexual teacher, but in others it is an objectification exploitation right. sort of thing. Yeah, And you look, it, often this, this word too, I mean, um, when homosexual, homosexual behavior is mentioned in the mm-hmm. Bible, it's associated with slavery too. Mm-hmm. There's some sexual slavery and trading going on and right. buying and selling. And so... Um, and again, it's always this male dominance and then subjugating another male. Right. And so, yeah, of course, we don't think, you know, just because we think that monogamous same-sex uh, relationships are a beautiful thing doesn't mean we think that child abuse is a beautiful thing. Right. I mean, th- there are differences here, and it's not too difficult to see that those are not the same. Mm-hmm. And so it's just very important to see the context. 
And I think, you know, it's also worth noting, you know, as we say, you know, you have to read the whole thing. You have to be critical. The first Greek term um, that you mentioned, uh, it, it barely exists anywhere in Greek literature. Right. And a lot of scholars believe that St. Paul actually created the word. He may have invented it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. So I think it's important to note that too, right? Because he's trying to describe something. It's culturally based. It's very time uh, sort of anchored, uh, if you will. Um, and so again, kind of important to, um, think critically about that. Know enough uh, about it. Um, well, and it's coupled with this word Malachi, which is the soft or sometimes translated effeminate. And so, um, those two words together imply a power differential, Mm -hmm. a power dynamic. Right. And so it's, it's one person dominating or exploiting another, um, and so, of course, that is wrong. Mm-hmm. And, um, and we should join this verse in, in agreeing that that homosexual behavior is wrong. Mm-hmm. Just, Just like, like that heterosexual act would sure, be wrong. Sure, exactly, yeah. exactly. Yeah. And, and again, this is where you have to like sort of think critically. But the second term that you use, it's more often associated with clothing and describing clothing. Mm. And so knowing that, knowing that it's the same word that does lots of different things, like you have to know about language and translation and, and how it's actually interpretation, mm-hmm. uh, more so than it is actual direct translation a lot of the time. Um, because, you know, how easy is it to get confused? Um, and to go back to your original point um, about the way that we say things and the sort of the, um, not that they're old wives' tales, but the things that we take to be truths without uh, even thinking of them, right? So what did Paul Revere say on his, you know, famous ride? The British, the British are, are coming. coming yeah. <laughs> but they were all British. So he never actually said the British are coming, right? Mm-hmm. It, right? So you, and, and, but we all know that, right? That's what he said. That's what it is. But if that's you, what I was taught. What do you mean? That's I, not what he said. Right. And then, <laughs> Just like and Christopher then, Columbus and then, and then discovered Chase America, right? Then, like, yes, yeah, right. Things like that. We get told Abomination. Things. Right. Right. And, we get told these things because it sounds, it makes for a good story. Right. And these, th- those two points that were just made happened much more recently with a lot better documentation sure. than what was going on at the time that this book was written. And so I just think it it's important to look at that. Things, yeah. Sort of let that sink in and let that make your heart and soul feel a little bit better because right. this is true. Right. But that's the thing about religion, right? It's blind faith, right? And so you're not necessarily doing a ton of questioning mm-hmm. of things. You're getting taught things and you're taking them for what they are. I think that's one approach to religion, and unfortunately, the most common one, um, at least in today's day and age. You know, Mm -hmm. the Bible itself teaches us to be like the Bereans and work out these things with logic and search the scriptures to see if it's true and reason. Use our heads, for heaven's sakes. In the beginning was the reason. That's that's the beginning of John. In the beginning was the word. That word for word means reason. Mm -hmm. Um, And so the spirituality that I know is one that is self-critical. Um, and Peter Rollins says it brilliantly. He says, true religion is not a projection, but a projectile. Mm. Mm. True religion is not us finding something to give us all the answers and shut our brains off. True religion is to find something that challenges us and encourages us to grow and challenges our assumptions. So to me, that's what religion should be. It should not be this blind follow, it, follow the leader, whatever they say. Because that's how Hitler came to power. You know, of course, any, any example of people turning their brains off as a, mass, as a population is, is a bad one. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but, that's, but that's kind of the problem with religion, though, right? Is that all too often we sit in a church on every single Sunday mm-hmm. and we're supposed to follow exactly what the Pope, what the preacher, what the, you know, what, what is being told to us. And, and we take that, that is our weekly lesson and we are not to right. deviate from that. And so, and, and anytime you question those things, you are seen as somebody that is too, you're... Heretical. You're, and- yeah, you're, you're a mess right now. Like, you're doing too much right now. Like, you're, right. like, literally it's this and you're supposed to do those kinds of things. I remember you telling me stories all the time that you would learn things in Catholic school and you would question them and everyone was like, just shut up. Like you you're being too much like Jesus. Yeah. Don't rock the boat. Right. <laughs> right. 
Well, and I, and didn't, I didn't the founder of our religion, that's exactly what he did. Right, yeah. right. And not judge people and yeah, hang out with those that were less than desirable. Yes, yeah, it's, it's amazing. Oh, yeah, you hung out with lots of prostitutes. I, I did, I did. Um, uh, but no, I remember what did it for me, what the, you know, you shared last week sort of the final nail in the coffin for you. Right. The final nail in the coffin for me with organized religion um, was I remember the sermon about loving your neighbor, putting them before yourself, um, you know, sort of giving. Um, and the last words that were said before we left, um, before the, the, the exit um, and procession, um, was, tr- you know, strive to think today, uh, right in this moment before you walk out these doors, of a way that you can help your neighbor. And maybe God will move you to do something right now, and maybe God will move you to do something, you know, t- uh, two weeks from now. But just try to carry this in mind, um, and and that is, you know, that's what your your task is. Mm. And then I remember no one letting anyone out of the parking lot, and they were yeah. honking at each other, and they were getting angry and shaking fists. And I'm like, your faith made it thirty feet, and, and that <laughs> that just. That did it for me. I was like, this is not, like, this is a show. This is not, and I'm not saying that's what it is. That's what it was for me. That's when I realized that if I were to truly have some sort of real faith or real relationship with God, that I was going to have to seek it somewhere else mm. because this was not the place for that for me. And that was long before uh, I had any inkling of my sexuality. Mm-hmm. Um, so for me, losing faith in that way was not about... Um, my attraction to anyone. Uh, it was about the way people treated each other. And I struggled with that. It's I, astonishing. I Your faith made it 30 feet. Yeah. Right. It's perfect. It's, yeah. it's a perfect explanation. And I think that that is the difference between religion and spirituality. Mm-hmm. Isn't sure. It? Because and, uh, we could do a whole other episode on the sociology of religion and church. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. But really. But we don't want to bore you. No, no. But we may do it on our own just for fun. <laughs> <laughs> but, um, yeah, I mean, if it is, if it is functioning as a social club, mm-hmm. essentially, mm-hmm. in which we pat ourselves on the back and feel like we've done our ritualistic duty for the week, then yeah, I mean, we forget about it the second we leave the door. And so, it, but no, Jesus is about, and this is why I sometimes struggle with, do I call myself a gay Christian? Because mm. Christian means religious and 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 to me as opposed to what Jesus actually is. And mm-hmm. so do I call myself that? I don't know. Maybe I should just be a Christian mystic or something, but, <laughs> but, um, but no, what Jesus actually teaches is the type of spirituality that would make it to the parking lot. Mm-hmm. Right. Right. Yeah. right. And, and well beyond. And to the cross. <laughs> in to fact. The cross. Right. Right. Yeah. right. So, I mean, and so well said, yeah. Right. And so yours was the parking lot scenario for me. It was the statement, you know, come as you are. Right. Mm. Most churches say that come as you are. And I remember sitting in church and there were families that, of course, were uh, a little down and out and not necessarily able to wear their Sunday's best. Mm -hmm. And I remember every single time they would come into church, literally in the middle of service, you would start hearing people whisper and talk about what they were wearing to church and how they looked in church and things like that. And I knew right then and there, I was like, Mm. this is the most hypocritical Mm. thing I've ever heard in my entire Mm -hmm. life. Here it is. You have the pastor standing up there and telling everybody, come as you are. It does not matter. Come tattered, come beaten, come bruised, do whatever it is. But if you need to hear the word of God, you are supposed to come as you are to receive it. And everybody in church could not do anything else other than judge Mm -hmm. because people were wearing jeans. And doesn't it make us feel good about ourselves that we're not, that we are... I'm, yeah. I've got the best hat that is the tallest and the closest <laughs> to God. The bigger the hat. Possible. Yeah. And, and yes. I am amazing and I receive his message much better than you do because of my clothing. Mm-hmm. And, and I just, and I remember sitting back and thinking about that and I was like, my goodness, this is the complete opposite of what it's supposed to be. Mm-hmm. And it was really frustrating to me because I was, because these people deserve it just as much as we do. Right. And, you know, just because we have to take them home after youth service and, and just because we have to pick them up or just because we have to give them a little extra attention does not mean that they deserve to be talked down upon because you are rolling around in your Bentley or your Benz or your Mercedes and things like, or that's a Mercedes and a Benz, right? Uh, BMW and things like that. And, and you are a better Christian, quote unquote Christian than they are. Mm. Um, Those were, that was, that was my nail in the, 
coffin. Well, and not to jump back to uh, Leviticus again, but if they paid interest on those cars that they bought, they're going to hell. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> Had to throw back one. Boom, shaka, Lots of picking and choosing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> no, I think, to, and to the extent that church is toxic, that's why I don't go right now in my life um, because it sets me back. Yes. Mm-hmm. Sets me back from it's where kind of I... It's oppressive. It's oppressive and re- repressive. What do you yeah. say? <laughs> yeah. Um, and then... I do think about what you're saying, though, because before, you know, right at that age, on the edge, like 10, 11, when I wasn't quite realizing I was gay yet, you know, I was just a little middle class white jerk. Mm. Yeah. And so when I think about because, you know, I, I, I didn't have this realization that I was different yet. Exactly. And so actually, I consider being gay across because it's it's been suffering. Mm. But the deepest source of growth and truth in my life. I'm so grateful that God made me gay because as a result of that struggle, I've had to empathize with people who are not wearing the right clothes. And I've had to empathize with women and realize that, hey, any of us could be in their shoes. Or minorities and things like that too, right? Because you're like, um, yeah, no, hello. Mm -hmm. I get it. Like where I have to go into a job interview and worry about if I'm too flamboyant enough to be able to get hired behind it. Like, you know, just cross sections of these identities that make it exponentially more difficult. Yeah. Yeah. It's interesting. I totally, I mean, I appreciate that. And so I'm just grateful that I've had something in my life about myself that has just a little bit made me wake up to the fact and to the reality that other people have. Because mm-hmm. both of you as, as white males have just from appearance perspective, right? You have this amount of privilege that you don't necessarily right. have to worry about quote unquote things going on in the world. Right? right. Because it's like, no, I'm, I'm a white male. Like I can walk into any scenario at any given time and kind of be the authority <laughs> on things because this is what society has taught us mm-hmm. growing up. Right. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. But the fact that you do have the gay card that is a part of it is something that you do have to sit back and you, you have to worry about it a little bit more. Like I will never have that because appearance wise, I'm automatically mm-hmm. not having those things, but the gay card, that's why I said it in the last episode, like the gay card does give you the ability to say, you know what? I do kind of see where minorities feel this way yeah. because those mm-hmm. are things that happen. Mm-hmm. What does the Bible say? Persecution produces perseverance and wisdom. I mean, so the fact that I have a little persecution, you know, not as much as, as a black person or a Jew or, you know, a woman, but the fact that I've had this little bit of experience with it has opened up my mind to how horrible it could be. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And, oh my gosh. Even as a black person, I notice persecution by way of, like, Muslim people. Sure, And things like that, where I'm like, oh my gosh, like, this is, this is intense. And I thought it was hard being black. And it is. Mm -hmm. But, like, it's even hard for Latin people and, and Muslim people and Middle Eastern people and things like that too. There's so much to worry about all the time. And as a gay person as well, it it does. So I think we can all be thank, or we can be thankful to to have our struggles. Yeah. What doesn't kill you makes you stronger, right? I mean, we, we've learned a lot. Thank you, God. (laughs) (laughs) Those two are not the same thing. (laughs) Or are they? (laughs) I've never seen them in the same room. (laughs) (laughs) So, so let's move on to um, what um, what is often again referred to as the the final bullet. Um, so um, uh, Timothy uh, chapter one um, verse uh, so so one Timothy one nine through ten um, it says this means understanding that the law is laid down not for the innocent but for the lawless and disobedient for the godless and sinful for the unholy and profane for those who kill their father or mother for murderers, fornicators, sodomites, slave traders, liars, perjurers, and whatever else is contrary to the sound teaching. And it it goes on. Um, And again, just like before, I would note that there is a laundry list of things that are going on here, and not just one. Um, And this is another interesting one. To your point um, uh, earlier about um, one of the Greek words, it appears... Uh, translated differently depending on where you read this. And so sometimes, as you said, sometimes it's just the word perverts. And what a difference... 
that makes. Um, just right. that one word. Um, so you again, you can't ignore the multitude of translations. You can't ignore um, two simple truths about translations in general. Um, one is wi- of which is the skill of the translator um, makes a, a huge difference, um, and the other of which is the agenda at the time. What right. is the what is the climate? Who is what is the purpose of this person? Who funded them and selected them to write these words in a language that is accessible to other people? And how does that um, how does that impact which word they choose? Right. So here, I think again, this is the word arsenokites. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> and notice that it comes right alongside of uh, slave traders. Right. Which right. I really quick. I'm so sorry to interrupt you, but I yeah. think it's so funny that they talk about slave trade as a black man. Of course, I have to mm-hmm. recognize the fact that they talk about mm-hmm. slave traders within the Bible and things right. like that. But we have an entire country that was f- built upon slave trading and things like that. But mm-hmm. those are the same people that actually try to use the Bible in any way, shape, and/or form oh, to sure. bring about an agenda. Mm-hmm. I just think that that's so. So interesting. Yeah, I mean, oh, like think about interracial marriage. Like Bob Jones in his nineteen, I think it was nineteen thirty Easter address at right. at, his, at Bob Jones University, uh, gave a sermon on Acts, saying that Acts was against interracial marriage. In effect, I don't think it was until two thousand, the year two thousand. The Bob Jones University, um, it was against their policy to have interracial relationships. Mm-hmm. Christianity Today supported the policy for mm-hmm. some time. And, um, and also the Bible itself mentions slavery no fewer than like 320 times, mm-hmm. the majority of which are either explicitly in support of it or um, are sort of just assume its existence but don't say yay or nay. You, know, you, you just think the most well-known one is slaves obey your masters in Colossians. And so... Again, the question is, okay, how come everyone's reinterpreted or bothered to look at the context of those verses that affect very many people, but not at the verses that affect a small minority like, like gay people? And so uh, again, it can't. Religion is not the source of that difference. That's that distinction. It's whatever agenda they have brought to their religion. One hundred percent. Yeah. 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 So um, before, well, yeah. Just to wrap up the Timothy. I I mean, obviously, in this context, when we're talking about what is it, Uh, fornicators, people who kill their father and mother, sodomites and slave traders. I mean, is this is this the context of? 14-year-old Chase tries to change for 10 years because he's afraid he's going to go to hell. I mean, that is not our situation. That is not the situation of someone who struggles with their sexuality but wants to please God. That is not the situation of someone who wants to be in a loving, committed relationship. We're talking about one homosexual behavior that is condemned because of its context. And homosexual behavior does not mean homosexual attractions and relationships that are consensual. But I also have to ask another question too, though, because what happens with the heterosexual people that don't end up getting married and are just out here being these like guys that are sleeping around and having a good time? They're like all these fornicators, they're like these people that are like doing things. They're not in committed relationships, but they are just laying down women left and right, right? Right. They're doing these things like that. Like, Well, that's what it means to be a guy in our culture. That's a good point. That's how masculinity is defined, right? Right. Right. And so, again, it's all cultural. Like, it's all relative. It's okay for them. No one would say that it's okay. They they would not say that it's okay, but in terms of how much it's actually tolerated, of course. Right. You know, because it's the majority. Right. Yeah. Well, and I'm and I'm glad you brought that up. My my favorite, one of my favorite quotes, um, is from Lynn Lavner, who is this fantastic Jewish lesbian musician and comedian mm. uh, from Brooklyn. Um, hey. And and she says, in the house. <laughs> she says, the Bible contains six admonishments to homosexuals and 362 admonishments to heterosexuals. Mm. But don't worry, straight people. Because she says that doesn't mean that God doesn't love heterosexuals. It just means they need more supervision. <laughs> yes. And I think that is fantastic. Mm-hmm. Um, I love, you know, I, I had done this uh, breakdown of the percentage of verses and, and all this analytical stuff. And I'm, I'm not going to bore you to death with it. But there is a, you know, when you think about the 20,000 plus verses, is it, that's in the Bible? Oh, I don't, I don't know the it's, number. It's, it's this huge, right? It's this huge amount. Right. There are six that we're talking about. Right. That's an insignificant 
percentage. Mm-hmm. Um, and when you Six look that at have been misinterpreted, by the way, correct, or they have different meanings correct. than what right. is going on. Um, and arguably, there's more, and we may talk about uh, you know one or two yeah, more. Sure. But but there are those those big ones. Um, and yet there are 362 about heterosexuals. There's over 400 about widows. Um, but um, there's this interesting. Um, uh, exercise that was done, which is if you take out all the parts of the Bible that are related to social justice, about how you treat the poor, about how you treat women, about how you treat each other, if you were to take those out and only leave everything else, you would have a Bible full of holes that's got more holes than Swiss cheese and you can't read it. Mm-hmm. And the interesting part about doing that exercise, and I'm not suggesting that people go cut up their Bible, um, <laughs> but the interesting part about that exercise is you really get to visibly put Put things into context to see what it is the Bible is actually trying to deliver as a message. Yeah, you have to read it all together. Yeah. 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 And I mean, of these six times homosexual behaviors are mentioned, how many come from the mouth of Jesus? Zero. Zero. Um, Oh. Right. (laughs) And and also, I mean, we're not sitting here saying that the Bible explicitly supports gay marriage or anything like that. Right. It is... It is completely silent mm-hmm. on what we're talking about. Just like it's silent on many issues. It's silent on Facebook, too. Mm-hmm. You know, it's silent on lots of words that have been invented since 1940. It definitely doesn't mention <laughs> Bootylicious, not once. Not once. <laughs> How that is possible, I have no idea. <laughs> and so, I mean, I, I kind of cringe when some people are like, some people make arguments that, oh, the Bible actually supports it. And, you know, it's like, no, I mean, you can... What you, what you have to see is is sort of the underlying moral logic of the Bible and, and the direction that Jesus was pointing mm-hmm. towards justice, towards equality, and really see how he was trying to move his present culture in, in a more uh, progressive direction. Because not everything that they were talking about, circumcision, for example, is an issue right now. Mm-hmm. And so what was an issue? An issue was men... Explo- buying and slave trading uh, younger boys and raping them and all of these terrible situations in which certain homosexual behaviors were being were being um, acted acted out. Yeah, that's horrible. But uh, that's not what we're talking about. No, and, and uh, no, we're not Nambla. Not the context. No. <laughs> yeah. So um, before I uh, before we start talking about. Um, the impact of relationships. I just want to read you a a quote. It's not necessarily my favorite quote, but I think it's a quote that does sort of summarize what it is the Bible is actually saying. Um, And it's it's, uh, Micah chapter 6, verse 8. He has told you, O mortal, what is good, and what does the Lord require of you but to do justice and to love kindness and to walk humbly with your God. That is what the Bible tells you to do. Mm. Not to judge not to hate, not to project your values on someone else, um, but just to live well, live rightly, um, and to love kindness. Mm. And is denying someone access to God, whether that is because they call God by a different name, or they believe that there was more than one God, or that they don't worship on the same days as you, um, or that they're gay. Uh, is that loving kindness? Does, does God really want you to deny someone access to God's love? And I don't think that's anywhere in the Bible. No, and... That's man-made for sure. Yeah. I mean, the Bible has some, uh, some atrocities in it too, mm-hmm. um, like God ordering genocide. Mm-hmm. And so, I mean, so to me... What one has to do is use their their soul and their heart and their mind to really understand what what God's intention is, um, and that includes meditation. and And God talks to us through people. God certainly talks to us through religious texts and other texts and experience. And it's it's combining all of these things together, being honest with oneself and self-critical that allows spiritual growth. And so it's so easy. I mean, we can point to a verse in any religious text that could possibly be used to support any assumption we have at all. Mm -hmm. And so that verse that you read happens to be what I believe God's true intent is 
um, and I think many people as, as well. But if, if someone disagrees with that or thinks gays should be murdered or whatever, they can find their own verses, and um, they're just... It's always it's always possible to support an assumption that you have, and so it's it's so important to um, be self critical. That's I think that's what I'm trying to say. <laughs> yeah. Sure. yeah, yeah. So um, kind of switching gears a little bit, but kind of living within the same vein as what we've been talking about. I want to talk about. So we just read all of these different verses and yeah. and all of these ways in which we as gay people have been condemned and. You know how that has affected our relationships. So one of like the the relationships that we have with our partners, because we I can only assume have tried to seek healthy relationships uh, mm. behind that. Um, <laughs> but when the Bible and when the world, our world, has told us that we're these god god awful people because of the fact that we do like our same gender, how does that? affect us when it comes time for us to be in our relationship so i don't know i mean really quickly are are you in a relationship currently i are am you dating you I are such a wonderful boyfriend yes congratulations <laughs> how long have you been together a little over a year congrats yeah. oh yeah. i loved that time period yeah <laughs> it's yeah. so much fun good for you mm-hmm. that's awesome so with everything that you know and i mean you know clearly so much behind religion and things like that how would you say that you've been affected by like your religious beliefs and and how it's affected your relationship wow well i know that's a loaded question right? that's a huge question yeah, yeah. um what one thing that has really made an impression upon me about being in relationship is um, that in the creation account in Genesis, um, God creates everything and says, everything is very good, very good, very good. And then one thing isn't, only one. And it was that man was alone. And that's the reason that a partner was made, that that a peer was made for Adam in the Genesis account. And so to me, I view relationships um, as being created to solve the problem of aloneness. That was the only thing that wasn't good. And so to me then, human connection is what what it's all about. Mm -hmm. Like intimacy and growth is only, uh, obviously intimacy, but growth is only um, possible with an intimate other who will challenge you and go deeper with you. You can't do it all alone. No man is an island. And so um, I kind of early on had a lot of loneliness because I was trying to be single for my... I, I thought I was going to have to be single my whole life, right? Because <laughs> I was gay. Same. Right. Same. I never had any intention of getting married because mm-hmm. I just didn't see it for me. Because as a gay man, you don't have those dreams anymore, right? Right. I mean, a lot of... Probably the most progressive people I was around in my church were ones who ascribed to the belief that, yeah, my desires were sinful, but as long as I was celibate, it, you know, it's, it's all good. I'm not going to go to hell. <laughs> very so, progressive. Very, those were the most progressive mm-hmm. I was around. So, yeah. Um, and so I think one of the watershed moments for me was rereading this Genesis passage, Genesis 1 and 2, and realizing that, oh, I'm not, meant, I'm not supposed to be alone. There may be some people, who are meant to be celibate or, or single. Um, some people are hard ri- hardwired that way. But if I'm not, that's not a problem with me. It's okay for me to seek and want and desire connection with one whom I'm drawn and drawn to and attracted to and uh, who inspires me, you know? Um. So... What was the question? <laughs> <laughs> the question is like in I there are examples of people being in relationships and and their their religious hang-ups have made it very challenging yeah. for them to progress within their relationships sure. i.e. through sex or mm-hmm. through like uh intimacy right because right. you feel like God is watching you and and it's really hard to be close to another person mm-hmm. because of those things. Have you felt any of that? Do you have any of that that you carry with you into your relationship currently or right. in the past? I mean, certainly some of my first sexual experience experiences, I felt that very intensely and felt terribly guilty. And, um, and But then it, that was also combined with this sort of evangelical Christian marriage idea mm. that it's sex with one person for life. 
And so on the one hand, I felt terribly guilty about having sex with someone. On the other hand, I felt like, well, since I've done it, I must stick with this same person. Even, you know, even if it was bad for me, even if they weren't the one I really wanted, I had to stick with it because monogamy was the only choice lifelong with the same individual. So there were lots of conflicting desires and fears and, and guilts and guilts going on. Um, but I think gradually, I mean, the simplest answer is that I think like with everything, we just need to find people who are compatible with us, people who are matched in time, in space, in attitude. And so, um, for someone who maybe isn't sure that it's okay for them yet, or um, someone who, you know, some people will never be okay with their sexuality. Maybe they're right, maybe they're wrong, maybe it's for them, maybe it's not. The most important thing always in relationship is compatibility. Um, that's not to say that people can't be with others who challenge them and challenge their assumptions, not at all. But I would think that whoever you are, the most important thing is to find someone who can understand where you're at. Um, and so even if you do have hangups, you can still have love in your life. And, and also sex isn't the only way to show love. <laughs> Newsflash, straight culture. <laughs> um, you know, you can give people gifts. You can spend time talking with it. There's just, this issue is so, so huge. Um, but yeah, I would say compatibility and mutual understanding is the name of the game. Yeah, for sure. I do. I feel um, as if my like uh, because not because I have religious hangups, mm -hmm. because I don't know that I do. I don't think that I do. I definitely would be willing to explore that a little bit more in depth. However, I will say that I feel like my religious beliefs have made it uh, challenging for me yeah. to um, not think that. I, I've gotten over this definitely, but the, the lack of deserving, right? Mm -hmm. Because the lack of deserving, right? right. You don't mm -hmm. deserve love because you're not of, because the love that you're seeking is not of God. Right. And so, uh, and I know that there are a lot of people out there that, sh that suffer from those feelings and or beliefs. Um, again, I don't know that that's necessarily my, uh, m my status. Um, but I do feel, know that that exists. I will say that one of the things that I've experienced is uh, the uncleanliness of what is going on just because it's not supposed to be... Uh, that's not what's supposed to happen. You're not supposed to do those things. And everyone knows that the good way to have sex is for it to be unclean. Um, <laughs> um, you know, and so there are things that happen with that. So it's just one, I know, and it's taken me time um, to like kind of get over that because you, you do, you're so caught up in all of that. Um, that yeah. it makes it hard. Yeah, the, the complexity of how it expresses itself, whether it's, you know, that Catholic guilt and you have to go run and take a shower or those, you know, sort of really quiet feelings of unworthiness, um, you know, it, it, it manifests in different ways. But the, the formula is really pretty linear. Oppression leads to repression, which leads to depression. Mm -hmm. Yes. Um, I've never and, heard that. I yeah, love that and that's, description. And that is... Um, that, I mean, that really is what happens. And so when you look at the high suicide rate in our community, in our culture, um, you know, it is, it is because of that. Is um, it any wonder? Right, I mean, right. it's like, you know, one of the things that we're told so young is, well, I mean, gay people are more depressed. They're more liable to be, you know, in crimes. They're, all of these problems, disease, blah, blah, blah. Drugs. Well, yeah, it's it's your fault. <laughs> yeah, we have to thank you, society. It. Yeah, we have to escape it in some capacity, right? Exactly. Like, so we do drugs so that we can escape the reality of being judged on a consistent basis, right? And is it any wonder too that we are told to repress our sexual desires for like the most high hormonal period of our life, and then when we finally let go, we go off the handle because we never experienced you it You have before. a second adolescence, yeah. Is right. it any yeah. wonder? Yeah. And of course, of course. I mean, and they act like it's our fault or like that, that, that perversion or excess comes from us, but no, I think it's really a product of, of a culture of oppression, 
leading to repression but and, I and also, depression. The thing that, correct, I mm-hmm. agree with you, but I also think it's so ignorant to believe that heterosexual men do not do the exact same thing on right. a consistent basis. You mean to tell me, we all went to college here, you mean to tell me that guys that are in college, 18, 19, 20 years old, that, again, are hyper-hormonal, not living with mom and dad anymore and have access to things that their own, are not trying to bed every single girl that is in college <laughs> as well? And some of the men. And some, like, and some yeah. of them, some of the teachers and things like that are mm-hmm. doing those things too. Do you see what I'm saying? Like, guys are doing that. Heterosexual guys do it on a consistent basis. So why is it okay for you, heterosexual Joe Schmo that is going around here, right. and me, Joe Joey Schmoey, as a gay man, is not allowed to go. That is my gay personality. I just decided it. Joey Schmoey. Joey Schmoey. Middle name's Hoey. Joey Hoey Schmoey. He's not allowed to go out there and do the exact same thing that you're doing with women. Yeah. Right. It's a double standard. But it's a double standard, right? Because I'm gay, therefore I'm seen as somewhat feminine, which is Mm -hmm. the double standard that is going on. Well, yeah. And it's like, as 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 a black person, for example, you have to represent your entire race or whatever sure. it's like as as gay people any wrong thing any one of us does is interpreted as representing everyone who's gay and right. so again this just goes back to the distinction perversion is perversion whether it's a homosexual or heterosexual behavior yeah and so um that's not to be like judgmental or whatever it's just to say come on guys this isn't because we're gay this is a universal human experience right real intimacy and commitment is hard and um, you're going you're gonna to deal with that whether you're gay or not. Yeah, for sure. And to go back to both of your initial points, you know, I think there's this other patriarchal piece to it too, which is, you know, men um, just in general have to repress emotion. And so there's, this, there's all these studies about the much greater, higher rate of depression in men. And so, of course, gay men would have issues because they're supposed to be this macho, um, you know, uh, propagating, um, you know, sort of top of your game person. And you can't express any emotional weakness on top of that. Oh, Oh my God. And then think about going into the gay community, right? Where it's like no fats, no fems and all this other stuff like that. Right. Because then you're supposed to be gay and then get into the gay community and you have to be hyper masculine as well in the gay community Mm -hmm. because you're not going to be accepted if you're a feminine guy that is gay as well. Yeah. I mean, Gay, gay people are the worst. <laughs> we, we, we are. They really can be the worst. Yes. Um, and I don't, I don't know exactly where it comes from, but it was like we had to be, you know, hyper um, aggressive just to like exist, right. you know, for the longest time. And so, uh, yeah, it, it's really unfortunate. But, but I think we see the extremists. We always see the extremists. And we hear from the people who say things like that. But there's a whole ton of us who just want to have a good life, who just want to be in relationship. And I think, um, you know, no excess, no judgment. Um, And I think that the the message from the Bible is clear. It's not wrong for you to want love. No. Right. It's so natural and good. Mm -hmm. And whatever you're ready for... You know, maybe you're not ready for the same thing someone else is, but whatever you're ready for is okay. It is okay. So, and I think I think that is, you know, kind of the 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 big message, overarching message, um, things, is yeah. that you are worthy of love. Mm. You don't have to hear what other people um, claim to be their firsthand knowledge of the truth. Remember that their authority is wholly imagined, um, and That's the, wholly with a right. W. <laughs> <laughs> Important <laughs> distinction. I appreciate holy, that. unholy. Right, imagine. Yeah. right. <laughs> um, and and that you are the master of the path that you walk, and yeah. that you are worthy of whatever you decide you are worthy of. And if you want to find a church home, then you find a church home. And if you want to just be spiritual, then you do that. And if you want to be agnostic, atheistic, anything, um, really, it is ultimately up to you, and no one, uh, no one can judge you. Sure. And I just to kind of wrap it up a little bit and give my, I guess, final thoughts as well. Um, Spirituality is really important. And I am in no way, shape or form saying that anybody that believes in a God or anything of the sort um, is is wrong. Um, All I would challenge everyone to do is is make sure that, you know, and educate yourself on everything 
that comes with what it is that you're studying or what you're believing in and or loving um, because it is really important. Um, but then also you cannot let this define who you are as a human being going forward because um, your ability to love and be loved it has nothing to do with your spirituality and they can't exist in the same space. Um, you can be a spiritual human being and you can also be a human being that deserves to be loved regardless of the sex or gender of the person that you love as well. One of the first things that Tony wrote to me, the first love letters that he wrote to me was he broke down all of the reasons why he loved me. Um, and one of the things that he said to me was, I love your spirituality. Mm. He says, you have Christian Christian, because I am a Christian, tattooed on your arm, and it lives in you, and the way that you see and want good for everyone is something that I respect and love about you. Um, and we have to remember that the overarching idea of Christianity or religion within itself is goodness. Mm -hmm. It's about being good. And um, and it you can't get caught up in all of the chaos <laughs> yeah. and all of the other arguments and things like that that are a part of the situation. You just have to remember that goodness and love is 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 what needs to be done. So you can be a good Christian and you can be a gay man at the same time, and you do not have to be um, bogged down yeah. by any of that and and feel less than because of either one of them. And I think that if you look at the example of Jesus, that's so apropos because you're going to get so much flack for being authentic and gay and Christian, but that's what Jesus experienced. You are in very good company, <laughs> very, sure. the best of company. Sure. If your family or hometown or whatever rejects you, that is an experience, a profoundly spiritual experience that is common to man. And I'm sorry you have to go through it, but... You're not alone. No, you are not. Yeah. That is incredible. Thank you so much, Chase. We cannot thank, thank you. you. This was oh amazing, God. amazing to have this. You're brilliant. And I hope this literally, um, I don't know, I hope this leads into like a friendship because mm -hmm. we, I, we respect you. And Immensely. we, oh my God, and you are just incredible. Well, likewise. It and is done. It is done. It is, done. <laughs> it is finished. Yeah. Consider it done. We love it. And um, we thank you so much again for spending some time with us and talking a little bit about this. And um, you guys, please, 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 please go listen to the Singing Scientist podcast because it is insanely amazing. <laughs> it's it is wonderful. so good. And he's brilliant. And more of this brilliance is, exists on his podcast, <laughs> which is amazing. Um, so please tell our listeners where they can find you on social media and the podcast and everything. Oh yeah. So um, social media, my Instagram is singing scientist. That's singing underscore scientist. Uh, my podcast is singing scientist available at iTunes and everywhere else. And, um, and my website is chasewnelson.com. And hopefully within the next year or so, I'll be making progress and releasing a book, No Place to Lay Your Head, which is uh, spiritual nourishment for gay people, Christians who, uh, gay people who are raised Christian. Nice. Thank you very much. You've got supporters you. in us. Yes, you do. <laughs> and we love it. And so, again, thank you so much for joining us and being a part of this conversation. Mm -hmm. Hopefully, we'll have you back at some very soon time. So yes, let's do it. Stuff. I love it. So we're going to take um, a quick break. And when we come back, we're going to listen to some listener situations. 